All your base are belong to us. Hello and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective. I'm Missy. I'm a writer. And I really just had to sit and think, did I say the whole intro or did I cut it off prematurely? And I don't know the answer. I think you did cut it off, but I'm I'm it's fine. We're not we're not deep diving today. I think I said from both a fan and critical perspective and then stopped. I guess you'll find out. We don't encourage things to do better. (laughs) Fuck that. Be terrible. Be (laughs) terrible. Life is terrible. Let's all be terrible. Be Jude. If I can't be as good as them, I'll be so much worse. Yeah. I tweeted the other day, be the unlikable female character you want to see in the world. Because I was I was feeling some kind of way and I decided I'm unlikable and then I was like well it's okay to be unlikable I yeah. like unlikable female characters yeah. so I'm gonna be the unlikable female character I want to see in the world somebody had the audacity the audacity to put that quote over a fan of they made of Elaine from a quarter <laughs> from a quarter of roses I'm like listen I don't hate Elaine but if you want the most mundane person in the world <laughs> compared to Jude yeah, that is not how how do dare we, you? Mary? We don't need to make two girl bosses fight. She's not a girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> Pitting women against Fe- one another. Pharaoh would be like, "I'm a girl boss," and Nestor would be like, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> um, everyone thinks Elaine's gonna go evil um, in the next book, which I hope she does because I'd love a personality. <laughs> Sorry, you can introduce oh, yourself. I'm Mary. I'm marketer and. Um, she hates to see a girl boss winning. I hate to see a girl boss winning. <laughs> uh, the uncertainty in your voice. Yeah. I, I hate to see a girl I, boss I support winning. all women. Every woman ever. Especially girl bosses. What's her name? Elaine. No, that one. It, I think it was on the Eric Andre show and he asked somebody. I don't know who it was. The fuck what's her name? The Margaret Thatcher. Do you think Margaret Thatcher had girl power? <laughs> I support all women. Especially Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. If you're joining us for the first time, this is not true. Oh, my God. We're really funny. Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Speaking of girl power, I... this Okay, so I actually watched this very last, what we've been up to, and I forgot about it, which is weird how could i forget about this so last last week's theme for me was really silly movies which is why it's weird that i left off charlie's angels full throttle (laughs) um it has now been probably almost three weeks since i watched this movie so this is going to be short as i recall what little i can of these movies um charlie's angels full throttle is the sequel to hit half throttle film charlie's angels starring lucy Liu, drew barrymore and Cameron Diaz. I always forget Cameron Diaz is in it because I had a crush on Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore. And I'm sorry, Cameron Diaz. You didn't, you didn't, you couldn't stand up to those two. Did you, speaking of Cameron Diaz, did you see that somebody, I can't remember who it is, wrote this like piece on how Justin Timberlake is just cringe now? No, I didn't. Why is that speaking of Cameron Diaz? He's, he's married to Cameron Diaz. Oh, I didn't I'm know that. sure. Oh, no, maybe he's not. Maybe they just dated. I don't know. Um, no, I did not see that. But I would I would believe that. He's not cool. Um, was he ever cool? 
Yeah. I don't think he was ever cool. If you have to sing a song about how you're bringing sexy back, you're not cool. I like oh, I'm this. sorry. She's not married to, to him. She's married to Benji Madden. Right. Oh, my God. I forgot. You know what's weird is I had that conversation with my in-laws. Interesting. They were like, oh, they're married to those guys in that band that Richie, Nicole Richie is married to the yeah. other Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so weird. Wow. Anyways, anyways, Charlie's Angels full throttle. Uh, I don't even remember what happened in it. If you thought the first one was silly, this one's gonna blow your noodle. Well, it is full throttle. Yeah, they it was holding it was back. full throttle. It was wild. I started counting costume changes like <laughs> maybe two thirds of the way through the movie, and I should have started at the beginning because. There were so many costume changes. <laughs> Good. I I hope at least everybody had fun making this movie because it looked wild. Like it was nuts. Nothing normal happened in this movie. Um, Demi Moore was in it. She was spoilers. She was the villain. She was the main villain. Um, Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore still super hot. That's just a fact. It's true. Um, Drew Barrymore was at Britney Spears' wedding. Good. I'm glad. Little piece of pop, pop, pop quiz trivia. Thank for you. you. Thank you. If only that—that's the kind of questions that came up when we played Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> well, our Trivial Pursuit is from two thousand nine. I know. So. I was thinking about this. I'm. Sh- I bet you can get like an expansion. Yeah, probably. It's go- I, like it's a good game, but you need that updated one. But it does need to be updated. <laughs> um. Anyway. Charlie's Angels Full Throttle was not a good movie, but I had fun watching it. I would say in the hierarchy of silly movies I watched that week, which included Now You See Me, uh, Idle Hands, and I feel like there was another one, but I can't remember what it was. I think Charlie's Angels was better than Now You See Me, but the reason there is that Now You See Me did take itself too seriously, um, while also not being serious enough because of its weird relationship with the magic is real, except when Isla Fisher is in a bubble. Um, and when fucking the guy from Hunger Games, Woody Harrelson, <laughs> and when Woody Harrelson hypnotizes people by thumping them in the chest. Um, I think that overall, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle was more enjoyable than Now You See Me, and probably also more than Idle Hands. But it wasn't a good movie. <laughs> It was hot nonsense. The reason I can't remember the plot is because it was nonsense. It was just like a series of events happening while like the Charlie's while Charlie's angels like rode dirt bikes and (laughs) did. uh, It's just a series of we want you to do these things. Let's connect them. Yeah. One thing I will say about the Charlie's angel angels movies is that they have that kind of secondary villain in them. The thin the creepy thin man, you know, played by Chris, Crispin Glover. And I think that he looks like his name is Crispin Glover. You look at that man and you're like, Crispin is the perfect name for you. Crispin? Crispin Glover. A little crispy. He's a little crispy. Uh, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle is not necessarily a movie I recommend. But if you would like to see... Lucy Liu, Drew Barrymore, and Cameron Diaz being hot, then it has that going for it. If you like to see nonsense, it has a lot of that going for it. Um, Definitely prefer, I think it was Bernie Mac. Yeah, Bernie Mac to Bill Murray. I'm not a Bill Murray fan. Sorry. That's fair. Um, Also, apparently he was terrible to Lucy Liu, and that's why he's no longer on the movie, why he was replaced by Bernie Mac. Um, It's not good. It's nonsense, but it is enjoyable nonsense. If you want to turn your brain off and watch people be hot and do cool stunts for an hour and a half, have I got a movie for you? 
that's about as high a recommendation as I can give for it because like it's a mess, but it is fun. And we know that I like that and a mess. So really it was the perfect movie for me. It's great for you. I can't remember a single detail about it. <laughs> um, I watched Nightbreed, which is a Clive Barker movie that um, has David Cronenberg in it, which I didn't know he act he acts a lot. Um, it is a movie about uh, how do I explain this? A guy who I'm pretty sure he's bipolar because he's taking lithium or he's supposed to be taking lithium. But his um, therapist, played by David Cronenberg, gives him like some other medicine and essentially he goes into psychosis and he had written about um, a bunch of stuff that he had seen in dreams, including a place called Midian, uh, where the monsters go and some really graphic killings. And then those killings actually happened. And his therapist is like, I know you did this. I know you did this. So he goes on the run and the cops come after him and they finally get him and they put him in a psych ward. And long story short, he's killed. Um, oh, he does. First, he does find Midian and they're like, you can't be here. You're you're immortal essentially you can't be here you, you you have to leave and he's like but i know this place this is where i'm supposed to be and then he dies and he shows up in midian and um his girlfriend is like has to go she knows he's dead she had to uh identify the body and then suddenly the body is missing and she's like i think something's up here something seems pretty suspicious sus as the kids say and she goes on a quest to go try and find her boyfriend who she loves very much and um through the quest the therapist is coming after coming after him clearly trying to kill everybody uh turns out midian is a place it was almost like um what is the word i'm looking for a safe haven for monsters some of them like evil not like super evil and some of them just like trying to live their life um they can't a lot of them can't go in the sun or they explode and which you see happen and she finally finds him and they're like you can't go with her and he's like but i love her and then it comes some i don't know what happens but somehow it comes down to humans want to kill everybody in midian so it becomes this like attempted genocide um it was really wild it was really cool looking. People, like the, the monsters looked really cool. There's a lot of variety there. Um, and I think their leader is Baphomet. <laughs> um, and there's some type of, like, I, it's a wild movie. Um, it was really good, though. I really liked it. I thought it was really fun and weird and, like, just the right of every, just enough of everything that I like um to like keep me engaged i like the humans coming after the monsters and the monsters fighting back and um trying to create a revolution for themselves and having to find new place to live and i really liked the girl she was cool and um it was weird it's it's an older movie i don't know when it came out but it's an older movie and my husband's like, let's watch. We were going to watch Mad Love. Uh, I don't know. Some movie that some guy took a million years to make. And it looks really creepy. And I'm kind of glad we didn't watch it. <laughs> but our Shutter app would not work. Um, but yeah, it was really weird. It was uh, 
Like one guy, one monster had like a moon face. Like his face was shaped like a crescent moon. Oh, Mac tonight. Yeah, it it was. It was kind of <laughs> like that. It was. And then there was like um, one of the sh- the girlfriend like shows up in Midian, which just looks like a graveyard. And uh, there's this like weird creature on the ground, like shriveling up. I'm like, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's disgusting. And there's a woman like inside. She's like, go pick him up. Go pick him up. And I was like, don't do that. But she goes and she picks him up and brings them inside. And it turns back into like a 10 year old girl. It was really weird. Um, there is a puppy in it. And the puppy is really cute. <laughs> and also lives in Midian. I don't think the puppy's dead. It just looks normal. Um but yeah, it was weird, but really good. Um, if you like, it's like not a cult, but almost kind of, because um, there's like ritual stuff that happens. Um, it was weird, but it was good. And there are some scenes like I, I would probably check the trigger warnings. There's some scenes like a guy like rips off his his face, oh his skull. He rips off the <laughs> he he rips off like the skin of his skull and he's telling him like I, let me show you my real face so I can get into Midian um, that is how he got into Midian because he died from doing that <laughs> actually he didn't die from doing that but essentially he died from doing that and then he shows up in Midian he's like what's up dude what's up Boone I think is his name um, and yeah it's wild it's really good I think you'd like it Missy I want to compare and contrast the wildness of Nightbreed with the wildness of Charlie's Angels I full think throttle. that you will like Nightbreed more. <laughs> it was really. But are Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore in Nightbreed? They are not. Well, they should have been. I don't know anybody as in their it. characters in uh, as as their characters in Charlie's, in Charlie's Angels. Angels. Yeah, I think that would have worked really well. I agree. I think it would have worked really well. Is that it? That's it. It's weird, but it was good. I liked it. Speaking of weird, I watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, uh, which you may know as the Nicolas Cage movie or the Nick Cage movie, in which Nick Cage, the real one, plays Nick Cage without a, without with a K, which is the fic, fic the fictionalized version of himself. Um, short short take on this movie is I thought it was it was pretty good. It was funny. Um, its biggest. It was heartfelt, which is <laughs> funny to say, but it was. It was cute. Um, not derogatory. Uh, its biggest problem was that it the pacing in the beginning was off. Um, but this is about Nick Cage with a K. Um, that's N-I-C-K, not N-I-C-K-A-G-E. H-E-Y-O-U-S. I was trying to say it. House. Mickey House. Yeah. Mickey House. <laughs> Mickey House. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm tired. He so Nick Cage, um, Mr. Cage is a struggling actor. Uh, he's had some big hits like National Treasure, like Moonst- Moonstruck. Yeah, Moonstruck, like Three Men and a Baby. He was in Three Men and a Baby. No, I'm thinking of Raising Arizona. Uh, Raising Arizona. He had all these big hits, but now he's coming to a point in his career where. He's not getting the big roles anymore. And he is an egomaniac. <laughs> and he ruins his daughter's birthday party by being an egomaniac. But he gets an offer to go to this uh, like private home in Majorca um, to be at the birthday party, I believe, of some very wealthy man played by Pedro Pascal. Uh, absolute babe. Named, what is his name in the movie? Javi. And so he shows up there. And he's like, they're having a great time together. Just 
at first it's awkward as it often is but it turns out they they love each other they're like best soulmates um meanwhile uh nick cage is spotted getting off the plane in Majorca and going to visit Javi's island by the FBI. Oh no. Who believes that Javi is actually uh some kind of evil criminal. I can't remember what it, what he's actually supposed to be. He's like a a terrorist or a drug man or a drug man. You know what I mean. <laughs> he does some he does some crimes. That's what they believe. They believe it's Javi. So we know this as the audience. But Nick Cage does not. So Nick Nick Cage is just befriending Javi, not knowing that he might be this horrible criminal until the FBI gets in contact with Nick Cage and is like, we need you to do some real FBI work. And he's like, I don't know how to do that. And they're like, you can do it, Nick Cage. And then he does. And he, tr- he tries his best and he almost dies because he's Nick Cage, not an FBI agent. Not an FBI agent. Um, so then the first part of the movie where they're making friends is the part I think that should have been cut a little bit because it takes a long time. I felt to get to the part where Nick Cage is like both friends with this man and also who like loves his movies. Like he's obsessed with his movies. Um, and he like he has like an original screenplay that he wants him to act in and stuff. Um, and so Nick Cage is befriending this man, but then he has to like double cross him and work for the FBI to find out if he's evil. Rude. Um, and that that part was super, super fun. It just took a little too long to get to it. Um, overall, I thought it was really fun. If you like kind of buddy comedies uh, with a little bit of action, it wasn't super action driven, um, but yeah, it was good. I thought it was I thought it was like really entertaining. Um the the meta humor of it I thought was quite good. Um I feel like Nick Cage, I don't I don't really actually know a lot about Nick Cage uh as a person. He's a good horror actor. He is a good horror. And this movie that's something. Thank you for bringing that up actually because this movie actually showed me that Nick Cage is a good actor. Like <laughs> it was clear that this was not Nick Cage. Right, like but I was, it was Nick Cage, but it was Nick Cage. I was watching it and I was like, "Wow, actually, he is a good actor because he's not acting like I've seen him in, you know, Color Out of Space or National Treasure or whatever." Like, he is, he is acting. Um, he's just acting in a certain way that is so interesting. Um, I, but I don't know a lot about Nick Cage, the person, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> I don't know a lot about him. But like maybe he's terrible. I don't know. I know he has a lot of money issues, which like was actually part of the movie. Hmm. Um but if you want a movie to kind of endear Nick Cage to you, this is the one. Like I was just kind of like, oh, I don't I kind of like him now. Like <laughs> I didn't have strong feelings about him before, but I was like he did a really good job in that movie and I think it's really cute that he was playing a fictionalized version of himself. That's really neat. I kind of like him now. So I hope he's not like a murderer or whatever. <laughs> or a big old racist. I hope so too. Um, but yeah. Also, there were if you like Nick Cage movies, which it turns out I've seen a fucking lot of them. <laughs> but so, have you seen the Five Nights of Freddy ripoff? No, I it's haven't. very bad. I have not seen that. Um, there was a solid reference to The Wicker Man. Good, good, good. Uh, props from... Um, National Treasure, which we did an episode on. <laughs> I forgot that we did the National Treasure episodes until we were watching part was talking about National. I'm like, why do I know some? Oh my God, we did a whole episode on National Treasure. 
It just goes out our head. What's wrong with our podcast? <laughs> We've done so many things. It's true. We really have. Um, so yeah, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, I had a lot of trouble remembering that title. I'm pretty sure that's it. Uh, I kept getting it mixed up with the unbearable lightness of being and or the incredible squirrel squirrel girl. I was not getting it was it was the unbearable lightness of being or a heartbreaking work of staggering genius by by Dave Eggers. Um, Anyway, it was good. I feel like Mary, I feel like you would get a kick out of it. I feel like you and Bob would get a kick out of it together. Um, Put it on our list. Yeah, it was it was enjoyable. I also we own it. But if you have our voodoo login. Oh, yeah. oh my okay. God. Well, we Sorry. could give it to you if you want to watch it. Okay, we got a lot of movies on there. <laughs> um, I watched the documentary "Gaming Wall Street," uh, which is a two-part docu series on um the whole thing that happened with GameStop and um Wall Street and stocks and stuff. Do I understand one hundred percent what happened? No. <laughs> Was it still interesting? Yes. Um. So this is. I don't for those who don't know, a year or two ago, uh GameStop was like positioned to just go down, like go down. And I don't I still don't fully understand how it works, but essentially certain people like in in Wall Street, you can essentially bet on um companies failing. I think it, what it is is like they buy the stock and then they rent the stock out. And then when it goes down or something happens and they end up being able to buy it back for more, um, something like that. So it was positioned to go down and there's this huge like community. It's, it's called shorting. Yes. If you look up what shorting is, there's yes. there's good explainers of how it works. I don't remember, but I've read about <laughs> it's, it before. Yeah, it's, it's, it is like a good explanation. It's just I don't fully understand <laughs> Wall Street. Um, but... I wasn't interested in how that kind of stuff work. I was interested more in like the people and the stuff that happened. Um, and, and so there's a community on Reddit called wall street bets, I think is what it's called. It is. And, uh, it's just a bunch of people who bet on wall street. Um, they are not part of any like big company or anything like that. They're just, I think they call it, or they weren't or yeah, or they weren't. Uh, I think they call it retail, traders or something like that i can't remember it doesn't matter uh, i don't think that's it um and they there was there's a bunch of youtube people who are like this is the stock to invest in this is the stock to invest in and what kind of happened from my understanding is they're like gamestop is the stock to invest in and then i think a few people were like let's just fuck it up let's mm-hmm. just fuck everything up and they put thousands thousands of dollars into it and just skyrocketed the stock and it just like so many rich people lost their money good (laughs) that's how it should be um what i thought was interesting and i'm not i'm not surprised at all uh when this happened everyone was like yeah like these people who are taking down these rich people they're the good guys and stuff like that and like yeah some of what there was one guy who was poor um, he was living in his car and he did it and he was able to make a lot of money. But the but like it's still Reddit and like people are still awful. So like the people who are doing this are still awful people. <laughs> they're still awful and they're still doing this to get money. They're like some some of them, yes, are are trying to like fuck people out of money um, who are just 
evil, but uh, uh, like some people on there and they'll do like, like, oh, I lost a million dollars today. Ha ha ha. And the guy who was living in his car, he he posted his whole story on there about how he was living in his car and then he invested in it and he was able to pull himself out of, out of poverty and he got banned. And when he asked why, they said, come back when you wash the poor off of you. Yeah. <laughs> like they're bad people. And if you go the, like <laughs> the overlap between Wall Street bets and crypto bros is mm-hmm. not small yeah and one of the most interesting things to me as well was if you were in the emo scene probably around like 2007 to 2014 i'm making a hardcore guess but that's what i'm gonna say and you know the band breathe carolina mm-hmm. the lead singer is very is like super into this he like makes youtube vid- he has like a youtube video and podcast all about it there's oh my a God. yeah it's a huge thing and I think it's really cool that these people like um, just screwed people out of money, but also like they're still shitty. Yeah. Uh, And I think that the documentary did a good job in um, saying that they did get one guy on there who who worked on Wall Street. He didn't he was not on Wall Street bets. And he's like, I don't work for any company more. So, yeah, I'm going to tell you all the bad shit that we did. (laughs) Uh, One of the things they talked about is uh, selling stocks that don't actually exist. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that is very commonly done, uh, which makes sense because how do you prove something exists? Like when it's like people, the philosophers have been asking that question since the dawn of time. <laughs> like uh, they were saying that I think a lot of the issue is that Wall Street is still full of these older dudes who don't know how technology works. And then there's people who do know how technology works. So they had a system in which, um, you know, you're selling, you're selling stock all day long. And at some point you run out of stock to sell. And they made a program where they're like, it was literally press F like four or something and more stock will show up to sell. And there isn't actually stock to sell. And it was literally just press that button as many times as you can if you run out of stock. And so they were like, these companies were selling stock that didn't exist. And that to me was the most interesting because it's both like, 100% 100% the rich people are worse than than a lot of them but like Wall Street bets is still bad but being able to like point out like hey this is really bad and something that needs to change and there was um now there's like activists around it trying to get this to stop um that's really interesting to me and I'm glad that something positive came out of it because I think that a bunch of bros making money off of this isn't very positive (laughs) Uh, i think there were positive like good stories um and some people like that's cool and like one guy he's like i don't care i don't have that much money but i really want to screw over these people who screwed over me during the 2008 recession and like yeah i get that um and he didn't really care about the money he just really wanted to screw them over and i'm like i'm here for that um and they also talked about Robinhood, um, which is the app that anyone could go and trade um, stocks on, which wasn't something that was accessible to people before. Um, and how when everything happened, they're like, you can't trade anymore or something yeah, like that. They like shut it down. It, like- <laughs> they do it periodically. I have a Robinhood account. Um I feel like everybody's opinion of me just dropped, but I do want to say <laughs> this is my, my cousin was, was sending out invites to Robin hood to everybody. Cause she wanted to know how much money she could make on Robin hood without spending any money. An MLM. No, she didn't. She, was she running it like an MLM? No. Cause you don't spend oh, any money. You're not spending any money. Nobody's yeah. spending any money. You just get free stock for inviting people. <laughs> um, 
So that's that's why I have a Robin Hood account was because that's <laughs> that's what happened. I've spent one dollar on Robin Hood. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, P- Robin Hood will periodically stop you from trading, especially from trading like high vol like stocks with high volatility. Mm-hmm. I do remember I remember it with GameStop, of course, mm-hmm. because of the, everything going on. But there was also a a number of like nostalgia stocks that people were investing yeah. in alongside GameStop. Like I want to say not Sam Goody, maybe Sundance or not mm. Sundance, like the film festival, but like there's like a, <laughs> yeah. hold on. I'll look. I know still. That, that it was like, obviously GameStop, AMC, Radio Shack. I feel like, yeah, something like that. And, um, and like, that sounds really good and like really funny and stuff, but like, it's really just a joke to these people. It's funny until people lose their life savings. During yeah. Them. And like, it's, it's funny to these people. Yeah. And then exactly what you said, like then people lose their life savings and you find out the people who are behind it are really just awful. And like, if they could be those rich people sitting in the high rise buildings, they would. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah. So people also own for GameStop, uh, AMC, Blackberry, Nokia, Bed right. Bath and Beyond, Sundial Growers, something I don't know what it is. Those are the ones that I know, I think. And and like ultimately, I think they got one business, like one company guy to go out of business. But the, yeah, it was the, I think it was one of the companies that was shorting GameStop. Yes. That was and, that was causing their stock. And to I plummet. think one of the one of the businesses that uh, was like helping other companies, like if they lost a bunch of money, essentially like bailing them out was also behind Robin Hood. And so, like, stopping stopping the, the sale of it was actually helping them more than anything. And so, like, there's a, this big controversy around that. Again, really, like, I'm not, like, I can get into a lot of stuff, but um, that stuff is really, like, complicated to me. Um, and like I said, I, what I find more interesting is the human aspects of it. So, like, how terrible the people were, people who we're really just trying to screw these stockbrokers over um, the the absolute fraud that's just happening in Wall Street and how we're just letting it happen, um, mostly because the rich have made like this sector of our government. It's because it is part of our government, right? The Wall Street or it's just the financial. I think it's just financial. Yeah, they've made this sector of of our life completely unaccessible to people and so when you're just doing fraud constantly you can't be like hey there's something wrong there because you have to understand it all and you have to be in it and this gave an opportunity to be like hey (laughs) there's something wrong there um and like like a lot of people know the bernie madoff story about how he just like ripped off a bunch of people and like essentially he was just made an example of because people are still doing it there's some good movies about that too yeah my husband is works in accounting and he had to for his <laughs> he should degree, watch this yeah for his degree he had to watch a lot of movies about accounting so i have also seen a lot of movies about accounting and there's some good movies about the bernie madoff yeah stuff yeah uh i'm sure there'll be a good movie about this uh but i really liked the guy who was just like yeah i did fraud <laughs> i did fraud it was fine um so yeah i thought it was really interesting uh when it came down to the nitty-gritty of like what actually happened it's still kind of confusing to me but i think it was worth watching and knowing what happened and i'm glad that i confirmed my idea that the people doing this because they're on reddit are probably still <laughs> awful they a lot of them were still like very well off yeah so uh it's almost like the the equivalent of like owning the libs 
you know what I mean? Of like, haha, this is so, f- it's a meme that we're doing. Yes. It. It's a, and there were obviously some people who were like, yeah, I want to fuck them over. But I think overwhelmingly, that like it I wasn't like, like that. I said, the overlap between crypto yeah. bros and Wall Street bets is not small. And the like, like I use Reddit. It's not like everybody yeah. who uses Reddit is a horrible, horrible person. But the overlap, the pockets, the overlap in those groups results in people who already have deceiving people who have not, and then benefiting from that. So like with yeah. crypto, you have people um, pushing crypto and nfts and that kind of thing on people who don't understand fully what they're getting into because it serves the people who already have Mm -hmm. it increases the value and then you end up with people who have less losing tons of money because they don't have the influence of people who already have that and similar things happen with gamestop uh with like shorting the gamestop stock because there was things like oh hold it hold it don't sell it don't sell it and then it tanks and then people end up losing yeah. tons of money especially if they're not experienced investors because you may not understand the logic of buy low sell high or you may not know when to cut your losses um that kind of thing yeah uh, I've made eight dollars on Robinhood. At one point, I had made thirty-two dollars. Wow! But stocks are bad. Yeah. So I'm down to. I made some poor investments. Um, I sold at the wrong time. You have to really put money into the stocks to actually make money. Like my dad's side of the family does it a lot. Like that's all my uncle does is just stare at stocks all day and (laughs) Fox News. And my dad's like, oh, you should give some money for your uncle to invest and he'll handle it for you. I'm like, okay. He's like, like (laughs) $10,000. Oh, that's a funny joke. I'm not giving you $10,000 to bet with my logic with with my cousin sending me this stock was if i can make enough money to buy a a bubble tea then i have succeeded (laughs) and i have made enough i've made enough money to buy like a bubble tea and a half wow i was like i said i was up to 33 dollars at one point but a stock i had invested in was a medical stock and they uh presented their treatment to the fda and it wasn't approved Uh. and so it tanked now i'm down to nine dollars and 30 cents um, but that's still enough to buy a bubble tea and a half. Yeah. So I I'm winning. I like I said, I only put a dollar in. <laughs> the only the only stock market I play is my 401k. The only reason I put a dollar in was because I thought I had to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't. So I'm <laughs> I started to make an account and then decided I didn't want to. You should make an account so that I can have another free stock. <laughs> I I don't like to bet, and that's all you I don't do. have to. I guess you just give me the free stock. That's true. I could just do that. <laughs> I am uh yeah. It was really interesting. I do love a good a good documentary and it was pretty good. I thought that they did despite me not fully understanding, I think they did a really good job of explaining it and it was done in a way that felt very like it wasn't technical. Um it's it's uh narrated by not Macaulay Culkin, but his brother. Kieran Culkin? Yes, it's narrated by him. Uh, he was a good narrator. And like, yeah, it, it was, I think it's really approachable. And I think it, they do a good job at explaining things. It's just not my area of expertise or not like understanding, despite, despite the fact that I do like analytics literally all day at work and like run reports literally all day at work. But I also get like Excel to get do all my math for me. <laughs> get Excel to run all those things for me. Um, I'll probably watch that movie the Big Short? Yeah, The Big Short. I'll probably watch that. I feel like you would enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they did a good job explaining things. It's just one of those things where it's like, that's not really why I'm watching this. So 
not paying too much attention to that. I am. You want the drama. I like the drama. I want to hear the human aspects of it. Mm. But yeah, I liked it. I read Those Who Fight Monsters, Tales of Occult Detectives, which is edited by Justin Gustianis. You watched some long titled things. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, This is an anthology of stories about occult detectives. So my shit. You know, I love an occult detective. When you saw this, we were like, yes. Yes, I did. Uh, I bought this at uh, the Borders going out of business sale. Oh, wow. That was a while ago. It came out in 2011. (laughs) I did read it actually closer, but I read it a long time ago. Uh, Like like probably a decade ago, at least. Um, Well... Whatever, it doesn't matter. I read it a long time ago is the important thing. Um, I this was a I would say it was a solid but unmemorable anthology of stories. There were some good ones in there. Uh, there were some ones where I was like, oh, this is really engaging. And a lot of the stories were based in existing worlds. So like the authors writing them had like a series of books in that same in that same world, which was pretty cool. Like there was an appearance from a character who is in the I think Carrie Vaughn writes them the kitty in the midnight hour series, which is about, I can't remember what she is. She hosts a radio show, like a late night radio call in show for supernatural creatures. Um, and I read the first book in that series, but I haven't read the rest. But anyway, um, there's a book set in, or a story set in that universe. And then there was a whole bunch of universes I wasn't familiar with, but um, it was a good introduction. I think to a lot of those those authors that I hadn't read before, but it did, t- it came out in 2011 and there was a lot of content in it that I think was just kind of, um, I mean, some of it was just mediocre. There was one story in here that was like seriously offensive, like up there with the most offensive stories oh, really? I have ever read. Um, oh, this one you were telling me about. Yeah. It was really, really, really ableist. Um, and it, it was one of those things where I was like, I see what you're attempting to do here. Um, and I understand it, but holy God, this is so ableist. Um, and that it was toward the end of the anthology and it like really dragged it down. The back half of the anthology was simply not as good as the first half. Um, but there were some really solid stories in there that I enjoyed. Um, it was just, it definitely is kind of a snapshot of urban fantasy in the early 2010s. And if you like it, if you like that kind of thing, it's a good anthology. If you're meh on that kind of thing as I am, that's how you're going to feel about this anthology. If you don't like it, don't read it because there's nothing there for you. Um, I I mean, we all know I love Hellblazer. So I like my occult detective stories to be a bit more noir and political, whereas these were more in the romantic not they weren't romance stories necessarily but they were you know like urban fantasy has the romance connotation Mm -hmm. they were more in that vein there's a lot of leather and crossbows Ah. not necessarily like literally leather and crossbows but a leather and crossbow vibe the vibe yeah yeah which is not bad it's just not what appeals to me about occult detectives um so overall it was a solid anthology i didn't hate it um it is quite dated I would say at this point, I think we have different expectations now. I have different expectations, at least. Maybe not in all fiction. But uh, some of the stories, there was a lot of like, ooh, yeah. Mm. Um, there's There was some of that kind of thing. And then that one story that was just really a sour note. Um, 
again, like I understand where the author was coming from with it. And it just, it would not fly. It shouldn't have flown by 2011 standards and it would not fly by modern standards. Um, so yeah, if you like that more, the urban fantasy vibe, you might enjoy this anthology, but do know that it comes with a hefty stamp on the front saying this was written in 2011. It could have been written before 2011. It just came out in 2011. So keep that in mind if you decide to check it out, because there's some stuff in there that is just like, boy, we were living in a different world, weren't we? <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Um, last thing I have is uh, a podcast called Will Be Wild. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I've been watching all of the January January 6th hearings um and I've been all of them except for one which I thought was kind of boring I've been like working and like having to stop and work and like watching what's going on and I had just finished some other podcast and I got this one suggested to me and it's a deep dive into the people who are at January 6th and um the insurrection if you did not know uh, if you don't know what the insurrection is just go google it I'm not going to try to explain it it was bad um, but the, it was it was when a bunch of people tried to overtake the U.S. government. Yes, yes. and the hearings are uh, proving that essentially Trump and his and everybody knew what was going to happen, um, and they totally did. But um, it ta- is this the podcast uh, talks to a lot of people who were there and who were involved. Um, the a big one being the kid who turned his dad in to the FBI for doing this. Um, so he had actually contacted the FBI before this happened. He's like, Hey, my dad is saying these things. He didn't really like his dad in the first place. His dad was a little, a little extremist. We'll say not a little, a lot. Um, he, their, their family had like lived in, I think the Philippines and were really well off there. And then like something happened and they essentially lost all their money and had to move back to America. And I think that, going from like being really well off to not having like, I don't think they are poor in any sense, but not being well off and like not being rich really messed with his mind. Like, I think there was a sense of like, I'm entitled. Um, and so of course it was other people's fault. Um, anyway, so he, he noticed his dad was saying like these really extremist things like, uh, wait till January 6th, like everything's going to change, blah, blah, blah. And so he contacted the FBI. Obviously the FBI was like, all right, kid cool um mostly because a lot of um a lot of departments that would in in the government that would have handled this stuff were either like heavily dwindled down to barely anyone or completely taken out um they talk a lot about that which is really interesting as well because like they're just like they're like oh domestic terrorism we don't talk about that anymore um because the people who would be charged with domestic terrorism are the ones who are um trying to support trump like if you if you listen to the hearings like there's a there's a moment in which um someone's recounting um what trump had said about people trying to get through the um they call them mags but they are what do you call them metal detectors um and they don't because they have guns and he's saying let them in they're not here to hurt me like that's fucked up anyways um and so these things are happening. And then he's like, hey, I'm, I." he sees his dad is, is there at the insurrection. He contacts the FBI again. He's like, hey, I'm just reaching out again. My dad was there. And finally, they get in contact with him and like meet in secret and all this. This kid is like 
18, maybe. And he's like meeting in secret with the FBI. And um, eventually they show up at his house and like um, full on just like raid his house, essentially, which sucks for his sister and his mother. But they are, I think, still to this day supporting uh, the father. And he's like, I don't talk to anyone anymore for obvious reasons. His dad also um, held a gun to his mother's head multiple times. And his uh, the, the guy who was doing the podcast had a lot of conversations with her. And he's like... I mean, he, he, her excuse was, I knew he wasn't going to hurt me, uh, which is terrifying. And the guy's like, I'm going to take off my like journalism, um, trying to be like unbiased hat here and tell you that's really wrong. <laughs> and like, it is, he's like, you know, you deserve more than that. And it kind of felt like she was starting to like see the light. And then she was at something essentially just going straight back into it. Um, they talked about another person who is a trans, a trans woman who was there um, as well. And now that guy and this trans woman who was in the prison that he's in, but finally got um, moved to a women's prison uh, became like best friends. <laughs> and like, I thought that was really interesting, but also, and like, I think that they try to spin it as, uh, I don't think they tried to spin it as like, look, he's changed, but like, oh, like even bad people can meet the bare minimum of like using the correct pronouns. Um, so that was really interesting. It was a really good podcast. If you're interested in any of the stuff that's happening, um, like I am, I would highly suggest it. It does a really good deep dive into like people who were there and like their reasoning and people who worked for the government and the things that they knew was going to happen. Like multiple times, different people were like, it wasn't like, we all knew this was going to happen. We, we knew it would be bad and nobody listened to us. And they just like took away our departments and moved us around and wouldn't let us like research things and like um do anything like that one of the guys said he got moved to a different department and they would be trying to do stuff and trump would come in and just be like i want you this is a real story i want you to um run the numbers and give me the cost of what it would cost to to run a moat along the border with crocodiles and other um like dangerous animals and i need you to do it now drop what you're doing and he's like i was just it was just wild it was just wild um so yeah it was really good i really enjoyed it if you like that kind of stuff i highly suggest it um anyways yeah so podcast is really good if you're interested in like what's happening with the january 6 hearings i highly suggest it they uh ended right before the hearings started and i know that they're going to come back and talk about what's happened and i cannot wait um especially because a lot of the things that they had talked about are not coming out as true in the hearings um and uh they talked to i can't remember his name but the guy who is heading the hearing along with um the other lady um and uh yeah it was really it was really really good it was really sad um they talked to some of the police officers that were there that um specifically to black police officers that were just absolute like racial slurs thrown out thrown at them one of them had like been like i've never been called the n-word in my life and then suddenly i had a mob of people just slinging it at me and they had like weapons um that's terrifying uh, so yeah, it's been really interesting. I cannot wait. The next one's happening on Tuesday for the hearing and I cannot wait. I cannot wait for this podcast to update. It's going to be really interesting. And yeah, this is the kind of stuff that I like. I watched, I had to pull up a summary for this one because it was kind of confusing. So I watched the uh, 1935 
1935 movie Top Hat starring Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Um, the dynamic duo. So the reason this movie was kind of confusing is because I didn't, I legit didn't know what was happening for the first <laughs> probably 30 minutes of it. It is about this guy named Jerry. He's a dancer and he is in London because he's starring, he wants to star in the show, in a show by his buddy Horace. Oh, Horace. Uh, and he is upstairs. Dan- he's in Horace's room for really complicated reasons that where I think Horace was fighting with his butler and he's like you have to stay in my room it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever but that was the premise so Jerry does a little tap dance up there showing off his skills and he's making so much noise that the woman in the floor below played by uh Ginger Rogers comes up and is like hey shut the fuck up and he immediately falls in love with her and is like going all in a in a you know it's an it's a 1935 movie it's a bit creepy the degree to which he pursues her but it was 1935 what are you gonna do what are you gonna do what are you gonna do so um she because he is in horace's room she thinks that he is horace and it turns out that horace is married to her best friend and now he's pursuing her and he's and she's like oh my god my my friend's husband is trying to cheat on my friend with me. (laughs) And so he ends up following her to Venice where she is meeting up with her friend and they stage this like elaborate trap, what they think is going to be an elaborate trap for Horace. But instead it just gets very confusing. Like he showed the, like they're the friend and Ginger Rogers are out to dinner and they're waiting for Horace to show up and Jerry shows up and he's like, will you dance with me? I keep hearing horse. <laughs> Jerry's like, you know, will you dance with me? And she's like, no, I won't dance with you. And then she looks at her friend like now is the time to call him out. And she's like, go dance with him because it's not her husband and she has no idea what's going on. Um, so it was a good uh, it was a re- it was a cute solid rom-com with a case of mistaken identity at its center. Uh, the dancing was incredible. It, <laughs> it was really good. Um, the songs were really good. Once you've seen this movie, you can see how many times one of the dance numbers in particular has been parodied, um, which is Cheek to Cheek. <laughs> um, and uh, including in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, pretty sure Settle for Me was based the the staging of part of settle for me was based on top hat um and yeah it was pretty good it wasn't like it wasn't the greatest movie i have ever seen but the dancing was really good the premise was solid it was just really confusing (laughs) the case of mistaken identity also extended to me because I was like, okay, I get he's not the other guy, but why does she think he she thinks he's the other guy because he was in his room, but like how is it that nobody has ever asked for anybody's name? That was that was a little like we're really just not going to ask for names at any point in this encounter. Okay, whatever. But it was enjoyable if you like, you know, that kind of classic Hollywood movie if you like a good dance number or several um if you just want to see ginger rogers and fred astaire go into town on dance numbers and and with her scowling at him a lot because she thinks that he's trying to cheat on his wife with her um very enjoyable (laughs) i appreciate that back in the 1930s you could have a leading man who was not like the hottest man you'd ever seen He's very, very talented and he's not unattractive, but like I miss the days when you could have a person on screen who was not 
like a, a fucking angel descended from the heavens. Like that's fair. Is it's kind of wild to watch old movies and be like, oh, normal people were allowed to be in movies back then. <laughs> well, they didn't have as much like plastic surgery and fillers and. Yeah, and it's really evident when you look at movies from back then when you could just be in them and not have to be the hottest person alive. Um, it's no wonder we have fucking complexes. Yeah, seriously. Um, it's Again, I'm not saying Fred Astaire was really ugly or anything. It's just like he, he looks... Could have been a normal guy. A yeah, good he, looking normal he looks guy. like a good looking normal guy, much the way that I would say Pete Davidson looks like a, yeah. a good looking normal guy. Despite the fact that everyone says he's weird looking. He's not weird looking. He just has big eyes. That's it. I think and I think he's just weird. He's weird. Oh, he's he's mad weird. But he has big eyes and otherwise he's like a very conventionally attractive guy. I hope him and Kim make it. Kid? Kim. Kim. Oh, I see. I have no opinion. <laughs> I don't have any opinion on the Kardashians whatsoever. I like the Kardashians. I think they're wild. <laughs> I res- I respect their hustle. <laughs> Um, that's it. That's all I have. All right, that's it. Top hat was pretty good. Um, if you like this, you can find our website, fakeygirlscast.com, has all of our previous episodes. Uh, also has episode transcripts. As of recording, we have the transcript for The Matrix Part Woo-hoo. 1 up. Uh, Matrix Part 2 will probably be up by the time this comes out. Uh, and after that, we'll have Pushing Daisies. Um, and oh God, I hope we'll have Fruits Basket Part 1 done because I've been working on that. It's taken me for fucking ever. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of editing I have to do on that one because of all of the Japanese names. Oh. So I'm hoping it won't take me as long when I get to other other episodes. You'll be a pro by then. We can only hope. Um, if you like us, consider giving us uh, some money on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Fake Geek Girls. Um, we are launching a new feature, which is M- Missy's Mary's. <laughs> Who the fuck am I? We're launching <laughs> Mary's Spicy Book Club. Yeah. Uh, and it's Mary's because I don't read a lot of spicy books. I do have one I'm trying to I'm I'm gonna read eventually that you might like and it's the one where like you did the werewolf or off the cliff or whatever and apparently the werewolf is a big dumb good and I think maybe you'd like it mm-hmm. so I'll read that and it's a novella I'll read that for you and and you might like it I don't okay. know how spicy it is though the thing is I'm not opposed to spicy books I just don't read a lot of them it's yeah. not even that I'm like too sophisticated for them I just don't read a lot of them. <laughs> A lot um, of the ones I've read, I don't think that, like, you might like the clown one. <laughs> it was really good. And you might like it happen one summer. Yeah. Um, which is really good, I think. I So we'll talk about, we're going to actually record one just as soon as we're done doing this. Um, and we're going to make that one available at the $1 level. We're thinking we're going to make the Spicy Book Club a $5 level. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is um, we trust our patrons to if you give us money then we assume that you're invested in fake geek girls and you've listened to it a lot and you know what we're about <laughs> who we are as people and who we are as people um if we did spicy book club for free you would hear us talking about some depraved shit i have found in the year of covid i like dark romance mm-hmm. and sometimes that shit gets dark yeah so also, sometimes you just fuck a gargoyle. Yeah. So the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about in the Spicy Book Club is content that is not something that we want to share with the general yeah. world because we don't know who is out there. There's a reason I haven't been talking about them. Yeah. And we don't know who we don't know what the reception of these people yeah. who could just stumble upon us is. And so that's some, that's why we're making it a Patreon reward and not a regular feature of the yeah. podcast. I don't want anyone being like, these girls condone kidnapping yeah 
We don't. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard us talk about the elements of fantasy yeah. and um, taboo in like our vampire diaries and Twilight yeah. episodes. But because we don't know, not everybody who comes to an episode is coming in with that context. We don't, we want this to be something that we're putting behind a paywall. Yeah. Um, I apologize if that is upsetting for you. If that's the case, maybe consider joining our Discord. Yeah. I'll talk about some of those things. On yeah. Yeah. Because, again, it's it's just an additional barrier that you have to request to join. All you have to do is email me at contact at fakeeatgirlscast.com. I'll get you an invite, no problem. Um, but it's an additional barrier that we're asking people to go through so that we don't have the potential for somebody to, like, listen to us talking about the book that I'm going to talk about and draw <laughs> conclusions about why I was reading it or what I was getting out of it. Um but yeah, that's a new feature. We'll do the first one, which is going to feature the book I just referenced. Uh, at the $1 level, if you're a patron, you'll get it. No problem. And then we'll probably go to $5 from there. Yeah. Um, next time, we're going to be doing what we do in the shadows. Yay. Very excited. I've got like all my research done. Now it's time to put the outline together. And then we're going to be doing Good Omens. There will be a break between what we do in the shadows and Good Omens because I'm going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. I'm going to be working the whole time. I can't... like. If you if you came by, I would say hello, but I'm literally working, so <laughs> it's not an exciting. I have to take a week off because I'll be working at San Diego Comic Con, so um, that will, we'll skip an episode and we'll be back with Good Omens, both the the book and the TV series. And my opinion so far is that I hate the way the TV series looks. I haven't watched it yet, but I, like I've seen screen caps and stuff, and I don't like it. I don't I like the way it looks. David Tennant's gonna ruin it for you. I don't think David I agree. Tennant is bad. Oh I no, think he's I have. Great. <laughs> he's a good actor. The problem is he's too good of an actor, and now I can't stand to see him because of Jessica Jones. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. He did too good. Yeah, I I really like the show. I like the book. Um, but I I think I'm pretty sure I know what you're gonna get out of the show, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be like I think this show is good. I did not particularly love it. I love the book. I like. I really really love the book, and I am interested to watch the show. Uh, I don't. I I also think I'm I'm probably not gonna like it very much. I am really, 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 really interested to talk about it following our conversation on pushing daisies, mm-hmm. which I won't. Oh, this will come out after. Yeah. Which in the pushing daisy uh, daisies episode, we talked about a queer narrative about straight people, and I really want to talk. I, I'm keeping that in mind for good omens, where a lot of people read. Uh, hmm. Azriel, is it Azriel and I know Mr. Man Bartholomew. It's been a long Basil. time. It's been a long time since I read Good Omens. Anyway, the angel and the demon at the center of Good Omens. A lot of people read them as queer, but they're not textually. But people seem to give that a lot of freedom, whereas I don't know that that would be applied to something like Pushing Daisies. So very, I would say the show really pushes it. That's what I've. That's what I understand. Uh, very interested to compare and contrast those two. Um, once I've seen it. Uh, so yeah, that's it. All right, catch you on the flip side. Yeah.